2: Find a location near you at Bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDS It's like
1: me. I go out of my mind.
2: It's
3: like
4: Welcome. To the Minnesota Sports Collaboration Podcast Show, where we highlight all of our Minnesota content creators, shows, and friends here on the program. Poppy, how's it going?
5: It's going great, man. I'm excited to come together with all of our friends. You've heard them on our show, or if you're listening on their show, maybe you've heard us jump in with them. But uh, every week, we're going to have little teasers and snippets from everybody's shows in one spot on all of our feeds so you can get a little taste. And hey, if you haven't listened to one, go check them out. Throw everyone a quick little subscribe and let's make everyone happy. Now, Isha, what's the first one we have here for this week?
4: We're going to throw to Locked on Wild. Our boy Seth Topol drops daily Minnesota Wild content with a wide range of guests. Here's a quick clip of some of his recent content.
6: Kevin Fiala had a couple of goals again. And uh, just continues to be on an absolute heater over his uh, last several games. In fact, over his last 24 games. We'll get to why 24 is a significant number here in a second. Over his last 24 games, Kevin Fiala has 13 goals, 17 assists. By that math, 30 points in 24 games. He is now on pace ladies and gentlemen, for a season that would put him near the top of the list in terms of total points in wild history. He is currently on pace now for 30 goals and 46 assists. He's on pace for a 76-point season. And this after the start to the year in which uh, it seemed like it took Fiala forever to get himself going. He finished basically the first two months of the season with three goals. He scored in the first game of the year and then did not score for almost another month. So you take that slow stretch out of, out of play. Did the math with a little help. Um, I tried to do the math and the formula did not work whatsoever. Which is just... You know, just fantastic. Um, Hideki Nishida on Twitter, assisting with uh, some of the, uh, the numbers projections because we were trying to figure out what his points pace is with Matt Boldy on that line. That's where the 24 games comes in handy because that's the number of games that Boldy has played with the Wild. And Fiala has basically been there every step of the way with him. On that line. So, the points pace for Fiala with Matt Boldy on the team is over 100. He's on pace through those 82 games. If you take the sample size with Matt Boldy and you stretch it out to an 82-game season, Fiala is on pace for over 44 goals and Over 58 assists, 102.5 points per 82 games with Matt Boldy as his line mate. Kirill Kaprizov, by that same token, who now has 71 points in 55 games, is on pace for 106 points, 42 goals, 64 assists. He's already moved himself into the top five all-time for the Wild. In single season points totals, he's already done it with 55 games played on the season. This this is going to go down for Kaprizov. Well, here's and here's the crazy thing: we figured that Kirill Kaprizov was going to do this, was going to continue to rise after uh, a sensational season last year. So. He is going to back up winning the Calder trophy by shattering the team record for points in a season. Not a bad encore, but Kevin Fiala is going to slide himself. If he continues on this pace, he's going to slide himself into the top five as well. So you have two guys that are right around 25 that will be heading into the offseason. With career seasons for themselves, but also career seasons amongst wild history. Something to think about. Just uh, fascinating to see how this is going to play out uh, for the Minnesota Wilds in the offseason. Because one of those guys, Mr. Kevin Fiala, is going to have a contract situation come due here relatively soon. And you're not going to be able to take him to arbitration again and uh, get him to stick around long term. So every point, every goal, every assist for Fiala drives his price up a little bit more. So fun to see those guys continuing to carry this team and continuing to push themselves towards all-time great Minnesota Wild seasons.
5: Again, if you like what you heard, you can follow all of Seth's great content by searching Locked on Wild wherever you get your podcasts or checking them out on social at Locked on Wild.
4: Uh, next, we have <laughs> yours truly, the Soda Pod. Uh, we'll tease our other contributors later, but Hoppy and I talk everything Minnesota Wild, beer and hockey. Here's a teaser from our most recent episode.
5: Isha, we talked about this in the live stream, but. Minneapolis is actually a, a group of kids that my brother and a college buddy both coached them as double-A And a lot of the kids go off and play at private schools, but the ones that were left over managed to make it through. Apparently they're in my old section now. They were never there when I played there, but uh, beat Duluth, Ben Myers, alma mater. Which oh god, I, it'd be so cool if you ended up with the wild, but I've already accepted that it probably won't happen. Um, but squeaked through, got here, Minneapolis, Alexandria. What are we
4: going with? We're, we got to go with your brother's team in Minneapolis.
5: All right, we're going Minneapolis.
4: You hear that, Joe? Um, we're supporting your boys.
5: So there's not not much drama to talk through here. There weren't any like crazy upsets, right? Like the top dog from seven made it. The top dog from eight made it. We got Hermantown and Warroad. Monomedi, we knew would get through. And Minneapolis was the one seed for their section, but that was probably the most interesting path. But the rest of these, nothing too crazy to report. So we'll see what happens. But again, everyone, we want to know what the championship matchup is, who's going to win. Follow us, share the post on Wednesday, and you will be entered for one of the Soda Stick hoodies. Now we've got double A. This is where it gets a little bit more interesting because we had some fucking craziness happening here. Cause up here, Isha, there's maybe one team that squeaks through. That's not great, but usually double okay. A is like creme de la creme. And there were some yeah, really interesting tournaments leading up.
4: I, I, I even recognize a lot of the names here just from, you know, again, covering the Minnesota wild for two years and talking, with you and other hockey fans, like obviously the high school names come up, and I'm like, this is these are the teams that I know now. Looking at this, uh, at this bracket,
5: for sure. And it it's interesting too because there's a lot that you've heard of and that you know that got beaten before getting in. That's what that's what makes it crazy. Is like no team is a lock to get in, no matter what their reputation is. Um, so for the first, let, let's go through the seeding initially. Okay, so we got the one seed, Hill Murray who beat White Bear Lake in really what I'm going to call the soda stick matchup here (laughs) because White Bear Lake apparently blocked soda stick and they immediately came out and said, well, guess what? We're going to be Hill Murray supporters. Then I saw that That's insane. So Landon, your your team made it. They're the one seed. I hate Hill Murray, but I'll support them for you. in just that sense. (laughs) Um, Number two seed, another private school. Fuck you cretin durham hall um also isha did you watch all the mighty ducks movies yeah so in the third movie do you know what the school is that they attend
4: i'm guessing it's this one
5: no that it's called eden hall academy okay and it's a combination of eden prairie cretin durham (laughs) hall and uh saint thomas academy that's So. so funny um, they are the oh. two seed. They came out of a, a tough battle, but they were the, the favorite to come out for their section. Um, number three, Maple Grove, who was a team that was actually the number two seed in their section. Rogers was the team that expected to come out ahead in that. But uh, Maple Grove, always a strong program. Um, just interesting to see them pull off the three, um, although some would argue with me, I guess um the four seed this is where we get into the fun isha the four seed is moorhead high school um a team that i have historically supported wholeheartedly in the double a tournament orange jerseys the spuds what a cool fucking name oh, Matt yeah, yeah. You this is one, yeah. like the poster child of <laughs> moorhead hockey um and you know section eight got to cheer for the Northern teams and they've done a good job. They have dismembered Eden Prairie for me a couple of times. So mm. they've always been a team of mine, but guess what? This year, this year's different because the, uh, the, the spoof, uh, Dave Spihar account posted something saying that when, uh, Rozo was upset by Elk river, it was basically, he didn't watch the game, but he just knew that Roso fucked up and laid an egg. And mm-hmm. I just commented because like I follow both those programs. Like they're the programs, you know, and dude, green jerseys and they're the Rams like Roso, It's a pretty cool thing. I'm like, Oh damn. I was really looking forward to that championship game. And some random person on Twitter replies, maybe next year. I'm like, huh? I need to dig into this. <laughs> Marcus, Marcus, our man, Again, I'm I'm going to cheer for Moorhead right now because I think they're our only chance to beat some of these private schools, but Marcus, had you guys made it to the tourney, I was going to be your biggest cheerleader. Elk River High School Elks, which we learned that a group of Elks is a gang, so definitely full-on Elk gang. Um, elk gang, baby. They, they upset Roso, Not only upset Roso, but Marcus, who's the one that clapped back at me in a very subtle, calm way. <laughs> dude put up a fucking hattie against them to do it so fucking cool marcus ball out man maybe i'll just randomly run into marcus at the tourney if he goes but um they actually were tight with moorhead through the first two periods like tied all the way through and then finally moorhead just pulled away got a couple goal lead then goalie starts getting pulled it ends up getting out of hand the 8-4 score is not indicative of how that game went Elk River, really cool that they went that far with them. And Morehead, I mean, they had been a top 10 team for most of the year. So, um, But, hey, kudos to my Elks. That's right, Elk River High School. <laughs> um, but Moorhead's probably the team I'm going to support the heaviest out of this crew. Then we've got the five seed, who will naturally play Moorhead. Andover High School. Andover of late has been a pretty strong program. Actually, uh <sighs> I think they were runner-up. Maybe No, they might have won the tournament a couple of years back. And they had, I mean, both boys and girls teams fucking stacked. My brother actually coached some of the girls in elite league in the summer and just said, like, yeah, there's no chance they lose this. <laughs> um, but Andover, they were at large expected to make it in. Then we have, of course, the random draws. Well, Lakeville South High School, which that one usually goes to Lakeville South or Lakeville North. Um, they unfortunately have to match up with Hill Murray, which that's the one that's most up for debate because I think they were like 20 something in three and they that's got good. stuck with the number one seed. Whereas prior Lake was the four seed in their section. Edina was uh, not the one seed from their section and they both got more favorable matchups. So that's where yeah, I think yeah. this uh, process kind of gets fucked, but whatever um i just mentioned edina <laughs> gets in and it's weird i'm, I'm kind of conflicted because i love it when they get in because then i get to hate them right yeah like, I, want, them. I want i yeah. want them to be there so i can hate them it's it's a weird uh, i got a whole complex about me i need to talk to my therapist about it but i
4: know because even even i'm picking up on this with oh edina.
5: fucking cake eaters man <laughs> uh, what what is the quote so it's on that uh dave spihar's uh that spoof account it's uh Ah, uh, the state tournament—the the time of year when the northern teams hate the metro teams, metro teams hate the private schools, and everyone—everyone
4: hates everyone a diner.
5: <laughs> <laughs> just incredible! It's incredible. I love That's it. It's awesome. If you didn't hate what you just listened to, you can find all of our content at the Soda Pod on social—that being Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube—or by searching the Soda Pod wherever you get your
4: podcasts. Who's up next? Minnesota Sports Chat. Those new to Ross or Minnesota Sports Chat, you get anything from a unique spin on Minnesota sports to the wrecks of a frozen pizza
1: connoisseur. House, if you follow the socials, many gopher faithful very angstful about or angsty might be the better better actual word to use about how the gopher basketball program finished. And I guess I I really don't understand the angst. I get it if, you know, you you had high expectations for this team. And I'm not trying to tell people how to be fans, but at the same time, I'll, I'll tell you, I don't understand how people would have had such lofty expectations for this team. At the beginning of the year, I thought they could maybe win 10 games, and I thought that was probably even being optimistic. And they won 13. So, yeah, they finished last in the Big Ten, but... Whatever. To me, it is it is what it is. Nothing that Ben Johnson did or didn't do this year was going to lead me to have any grandiose opinions, either for or against him. I will save those for, you know, probably at the earliest, mid to late next year, but realistically, you're talking years three and four. I just I don't put much stock into this. I had a few people come after me and say, well, this is the roster that he put together. Well, yeah, it's a roster he put together on the fly, and I get it. Other people did similar things and put together better rosters. They're also not coaching at Minnesota that historically doesn't make the NCAA tournament.
7: I I came into the season thinking, just like you did, the Big Ten season would be tough. They won a few more of the non-conference games than I had anticipated. And you saw earlier in the year how well they played when they weren't physically exhausted. I just thought by the end of the year all those minutes were starting to add up. Look at Peyton Willis out there last night. I, I felt like he just had nothing left in the tank. Guys are just getting to the point where you can't keep playing all those minutes and that's a result of you know the patchwork roster getting a lot of transfers. Filling in the gaps and not having the depth. So I would say, you know, we saw the flashes with this program. Some wins where you're like, okay, the Michigan, where they played super well on the road, and the X's and O's side of it, where, you know, Ben would draw some really great stuff up out of timeouts and they scored. I wrote a piece on that a few weeks ago, just looking at the success they had out of timeouts. Ben showed us that he can he has the Xs and Os acumen and a really really good staff he just needs some talent they need guys that are more versatile down you know that can step outside play in the post create challenges for teams you know in a variety of different ways and and Ben's just needs some time for that personnel i thought we saw some really good things but people just need to be patient
5: you can find this beauty on social at Brendel Ross, that's B-R-E-N-D-E-L Ross, and his podcast by searching Minnesota Sports Chat on Apple Podcasts and Spotify.
4: Who's up? Judds, Buds, Mutant, Spitter, Sicko, Z. We don't care what you call them. To us, Spokes Z just means elite prospect coverage. Here's a preview of the brilliant ramblings you can hear on Judds Buds.
8: Let's go to the questions cuz there's a, a lot of good ones and there's just a lot in general. Um let's start with Wild Farm report. Assuming Fiala is on the team next year, who does Rossi fit better between 9736 or 1222? I'd say 1222. Um I think Marco Rossi's I think he's going to want the puck a lot more. I think Zuker I mean both Fiala and Boldy do tend to have the puck a lot, but, um, you know, I just look at the way Marco Rossi plays, um, you know, especially going right in. He's going to be going to the NHL. He's played with uh, Boldy before um you know he's going to be on the puck more he's going to be making more passes i think 97 36 i think caprizov and zuccarello first of all it's really hard to just step into the nhl and play with them i think they play really fast in the offensive zone they're doing their like you know caprizov's doing a, a, a roundabout doing three laps around the offensive zone and then just passes to zuccarello they're playing catch um i do think he just fit, kind of fits better with uh Fiala and Boldy. And then even defensively, I think him and Boldy are really good at locking it down. But they already have chemistry together. So I'd start him there uh next season if they do decide to have him in the NHL next year, which I think he's ready or he will be ready. And I think those are two really good line mates for him. Again, he's already played with Boldy. They look incredible together um on the power play on the penalty kill, neutral zone. Um that chemistry is there and I think he would look really good addition to Fiala. Um you know, whether he's the play driver or he's going to be a complimentary piece, he can just kind of fit in. That's the thing about Rocco Rossi. He just fits in wherever he's playing. So um, I stick in between there. I think he sees more of the puck. Um, and I think it's a lot less challenging than trying to fit in right with Caprizov and Zuccarello, um, even though I think they do elevate whoever their center is either way. Uh, but I think it's just a natural fit with Boldy and Fiala uh, with Rossi in between them. Dave Curtis, what was your, I became a fan of the wild when story dudes rock confirmed. Um, I think I've said this before. So, you know, obviously growing up in Boston I was, you know, Boston's been the team forever. Um, and then I was really young. I eventually just started watching more hockey outside of just Boston, especially when they were pretty bad for a little bit. Um, so I started watching other teams around the league. Uh, I really started following teams that, um, you know, the fan base is crazy you know, big hockey markets, the games looked sick, Um, you know, they were loud, they're fun. Um, Minnesota kind of just caught my eye. It's obviously it's the state of hockey. The Xcel Energy Center is always bumping, um, you know, for me, like if I'm going to live anywhere other than Boston, like Minnesota is like the ideal place for me. Um, You know, it's all hockey. It's, it's just the way it is. But uh truthfully, you know, so I started, obviously I started watching, minnesota when they first went back uh and then i think it was the year that he set the franchise record for the most short-handed goals in bruins history in one season uh i fell in love with brian ralston he scored nine shorties i think it was oh three and the lockout happened he ended up in minnesota uh he was great in minnesota so that's kind of when i just jumped on that bandwagon um and ever since then it's been they've been like one b so we can thank uh the state of hockey and we can thank roly poly um that's not his name brian rolston uh, you know breakaway clap bombs and then scoring short he's like no one's business um but yeah it, it was really brian rolston believe it or not and now it's just been love ever since my buddy dom tiano this i know it's tongue-in-cheek uh will jack McBain sign an nhl or ahl do his deal as soon as his season's over nhl because i think there's a chance you could get into games at the end of the year i think his game naturally translates to nhl um you know obviously it's a big jump especially when this is the first year he's really popped off yeah i know the rumors if you go and listen to the 31 or 32 thoughts podcast today with merrick and friedman he's merrick explained the McBain situation exactly how i told you he meant it there are no real rumors um but if you think that the wild wouldn't be willing to include him in a package, if that could get if he could be a package for a big center, then yeah, they would do that. It's a no brainer. Like, I love the kid, but he's not like irreplaceable. I don't think it's like if you trade him, it's not like you're trading Marco Rossi or Houston Dino if that would have crazy implications on the future of your franchise. So, um, yeah, I think he signs the NHL deal. Hopefully, it's in Minnesota. If not, hopefully, they move him and get something for him. You're not going to get it again. I've said this before, you're not going to get a ton. Uh, for him right now like if you're just trading him you're getting like a mid-round pick maybe Um, but for me if you can't you just can't let the kid walk i'd be shocked if they let him walk and got nothing for him um moving on max mccormick which prospects have exceeded expectations this season and which have failed to meet expectations in other words whose stock has risen and whose has fallen uh the first one that comes to mind in terms of their stock rising. Um, I mean, aside from a kid like Connor Dewar, like I figured, you know, he was in the running to make the NHL squad. Um, and then when he started in Iowa, I figured that's where he'd be all year. And then he just took off when he went back down. Um, You know, he made his way to the NHL and I don't really see how you can take him out of the lineup. Uh, I think he's a really good piece for them. Um, I think he's going to be a really good player for a long time. So, but I mean, other than him, I think, the first one that comes to mind is like a Pavel Novak. Um, you know, I've said it before, the knock on him forever has been that he's a one-dimensional scorer, uh, one-dimensional offensive player. Uh, gets a lot of power play cookies. You know, it's that bomb of a shot from the circle uh, in Ovi's office. Uh, but this year, he's just been incredible. He's been their best player just about every night. Um, you know, he's fighting through adversity, too. He's he's taking skate blades to the face, um, and he's coming back. K John um, he's scoring in a ton of different ways. I think he's at least working on being more multidimensional. Uh, you know, it's, it's, he's not a sure thing for the NHL, but I'm betting on the kid, but um, you know, coming in, I kind of expected like a 2040 season from him and he's already surpassed that he's, I think he's right around 24 goals and 30 something assists. Um, they still have a good amount of games left, but again, he's scoring in different ways. He's going hard to the net. He's forechecking really hard. Um, again, his feet, for whatever reason, stop moving the defensive zone. And he just like watches the puck and glide to the, to the wall, uh, which is why I'm a fan of letting him play another year in junior, assuming, assuming he still has eligibility. Um, but he's definitely exceeded my expectations. He looks like a completely different player than the one than the player that they drafted. Um, so he's been a pleasant surprise and it's showing up on the square sheet. And again, he's out producing guys that went way higher than him in the draft on his own team um and he's kind of just been their most important player i love the versatility the ability for him to throw him um in the middle when you need a big face-off win like he's not going to kill a ton of pe- ton of penalties for you but you'll see him out there in the first pk unit to win that face-off kind of like a uh what's that position lacrosse the fogo face-off get out um but he's i think he's won like 70 percent of the face-offs he's taken and he's taken a good amount <laughs> so He's, he's just looked really good. Um, and if he continues to work on the defensive side of the game, you know, if he can get a little bit, I think if he works on his skating a little bit and just has a little bit better form and technique, then, um, you know, you're looking at a kid with a real shot to play play NHL games. Um, definitely a couple years away, but I think anyways, he's been the kid for me. That's really, um, exceeded those expectations same thing with like a jack McBain. you know this is the first year he's really popped off i don't know if i expected 17 goals in 21 games um you know the potential was always there but you're always just waiting for him to hit it and then he got his opportunity on that first line this year you know he's getting all the minutes he clearly worked his bag off in the offseason skating's better defensive games are really good He just does everything really well so um, you know, he's always been a really good player. And like I said before, like, this is a kid that had first round pedigree in his draft year and then kind of just fell off. Um, and we've kind of just been waiting for that size and skill to really like shine. Um, and this year it finally has, And I, but I mean, it's been dominant. He scored in every single game that he came back from after the Olympics. They didn't win a game until he came back. Um, or they won one game before he came back and then he comes back, scores two in the first game back scores again. In the second, and then uh the third and fourth, he, he scores both. So um, he's just been incredible. So, you know, I figured he'd have a good year, but I don't know if I expected this much from him, and I don't know if I expected him to make an Olympic team. So there you go. Okay, let's talk about DraftKings. Whew. The NHL season has been packed with dirty dangles, oh god, hat tricks and big wins. <clears throat> As the action rolls on, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has your shot to win big two. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's right. A bump in the win column for your team means free bets for you. If Sportsbook is not available in your state yet, you still have a shot to light the lamp. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings daily fantasy hockey contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet just $1 on any NHL team and get 150 in free If they win, that's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. 21-plus restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And let's just keep going with the details. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537. Uh, Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Wyoming, 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and New Hampshire, 888 789 777 slash visit http I don't think I'm supposed to read all this, .org, <laughs> slash chat, <laughs> 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1 877 770 stop 7867 in Louisiana 8778 hope ny slash text hope ny in New York visit <laughs> visit opgr.org in Oregon call text Tennessee redline 1 800 889 9789 in Tennessee or 1 532 3500 in virginia 21 plus 80 plus in New hampshire wyoming physically pr- present in arizona colorado connecticut illinois indiana iowa louisiana michigan new hampshire new jersey new york oregon pennsylvania tennessee virginia west virginia wyoming only a five dollar deposit required eligibility restrictions apply See draftgigs.com slash sportsbook for details. There was no way I was supposed to read that entire thing, but that's three minutes of our lives that we're never going to get back. And I hope we keep it in because that was really funny. <laughs> in my defense, I just asked Ish if I was supposed to read the whole thing. And he said yes. So
5: that's, uh, that happened. Dudes fucking rock. If you want more, you can find him every Tuesday and sometimes uh, we, we don't really know with him. He's kind of a wild card, maybe even Thursdays on the Soda Pod feed. So same podcast feed as before. But if you want to follow him specifically and for some reason you haven't already, you can check him out on Twitter at Spoked Z.
4: Who do we got? Our friends at Sound the Foghorn. Brett, Justin, and Zeke represent Sound the Foghorn from Wild to Whitecaps, killing the analytics and prospect game. Here's a sneak peek at their latest episode.
2: So I guess we'll just start here. Um, let's, let's just go right into stories, and then we can kind of just add some context if we need to. Um, Justin, we'll go to you first, because obviously with a son named Miko, we know there's a, there's a special connection. And just talk a little bit about um, just what Miko Koivu meant for you and, and just kind of what his jersey retirement means to you as, as you know, a fan.
9: You know, outside of Gabrick, he was – I mean, of course, he was the face of the franchise. Gabrick ended up being my first favorite mm-hmm. player on the wild. But then he left, and it's just Koivu was always always good. I mean, God, I can't even put my thoughts together right now. But, uh, <laughs> man, just my favorite player all around uh, from then on. And, and just so – I mean, played a 1,000-plus games with us. Uh, so loyal. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah absolutely Uh, just i loved watching him in the shootouts when when shootouts became a thing he just knew the move he was going to come up with he was always going to do that deke in the backhand upper corner uh just so many things about him made me fall in love with the wild even more and then obviously i named my son miko i I mean i remember the night he was born we were playing pittsburgh uh, november 25th 2016 and I mean, Coyville ended up getting an assist in that game, but I just remember that was the first game I got to watch with my son, and here he is. I named him Miko. It wasn't totally in the plans, but then it ended up being the forefront of his name. He just looked like a Miko, and then just that's where the name came from. Obviously, so you know, just really special player to me.
2: Is uh, awesome. is Miko Baki gonna wear number nine? Do you think, or does his Dad know. have he, a number he's gonna... he's gonna try to pass down?
9: I don't know. I wore nineteen, but okay. I mean. Find the own number he likes. He wears ten this year, but that was given to him. So mm-hmm. we'll see what number he falls in love with, if it's dad's number or his own or Michael Coyber. Who knows? Yeah. So Saint Michael did this weird thing when we picked our jerseys.
2: So we they did like a complete kind of rebrand of the association. So it was my second year. Mm-hmm. So I had mites when I moved, and then when I transitioned to squirts, they did this whole rebrand thing where, um, they had all the youth players. We bought a set of jerseys that were like far too big for us and uh-huh. we are like basically drew a name out of a hat and that was supposed to be a number and we we're supposed to have that number and wear that jersey from the time we were squirts all the way through bantams and i just happened to draw um 22 um so that's a number i wore all through youth hockey um my brother had worn two his whole life so it was kind of cool for me like oh big brother uh-huh. wore two little bro wears yeah. 22 um and then um, of course I grew up, a, a massive Koivu fan. Um, he switches his number to nine and then, um, I actually wore two my sophomore year of high school. Um, and then our captain who left after my sophomore year, who was number nine, um, that opened up number nine. I was able to wear that for my last two years. And then of course, um, when I was a senior, I, I got to be a captain and, you know, being able to wear a nine with a C on it and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of feel a little bit like my idol was, was super cool. Um, And then so if you're wondering where the uh, where the nine two comes in my bio, um, it's from nine and twenty two. But, you know, if I had if I had just a hockey number now, it'd be ninety two just to kind of combine those two, which it still ticks me off. That's fucking Gabriel Landeskog's number. (laughs) <laughs> uh, it, just, it just twists a knife in my back every time oh, I remember man. that but, um, but yeah that's a fun story about how I got my numbers and if mm-hmm. you're ever wondering where the 92 yeah. in my bio comes from or my Twitter at that's that's where it comes from So
10: very cool awesome sweet. you know for I don't know for me like like you said Brett uh, you know, obviously I'm younger than you guys I don't have too many you know I guess stories per se but I can remember too the first Wild Game I ever went to I think it was, you know, like January 2011, my brother's hockey team at the oh, time. You didn't have had to live so got... the, the late yes.
2: 2000s, lucky you. No, did not. So <laughs> it was, yeah, it was right
10: around then. Um, I think they were playing Vancouver that night. Uh, I don't I don't think he scored, I don't remember, but I do remember, uh, you know, I just remember specifically, you know, someone asked, I think a parent of the team, they asked a bunch of the kids, you know, like usual, who's your favorite player or whatever, and, you know, he was the one I picked mostly at that time because, you know, that was the name I saw everywhere, and... Yep even though nine-year-old me or whatever I was didn't really, you know, I mean, I understood the game. I, I, you know, I didn't really understand league, teams, players, all that, but that's the, that was the, he was the first name, first player that I actually knew who they were. Uh, I knew who obviously who Mika was even before that. Uh, And then, you know, I can also remember, uh, you know, obviously like Justin said, the back forehand, backhand shootout move. That's, you know, it's classic for everybody. I mean, I saw that. In person once against LA in 2013 during the lockout shortened season. He scored one of the The three most goals ridiculous part about
2: that move is every goalie knew it was coming and they still couldn't stop
10: mm-hmm. it. Yeah. How good it was. And, and it was perfect. It's just perfect right under the bar, yep. right over the glove. Blocker. So smooth. Like, just, just looks so great. And then I think the other one too, and I think it's going to be off a lot of us obviously, it was the thousands game. You know, they came back late tie-out, then he scored a game-winning shootout goal and overtime at the exact move, and then was mobbed by basically the entire team. I think, you know, that was just, you know, for me, that's just the other one that, uh, you know, for all the, you know, as we've discussed before, all the crap he's gotten, I think, you know, that thousands game, that celebration, the way his teammates mobbed him, I think says a lot, and uh, I think uh, it's just kind of a good way of, you know, representing what he has what he has, and still does mean to, you know, this team, players, and the fans. Yeah, Um, I mean, you've seen my
2: Miko story, and I've touched on a little bit, just the impact he had on me falling in love with hockey, wanting to be a center, wearing numbers, and wanting to be a leader, all that inspired by Miko. So that aside, like my favorite playing memory of Miko Koivu, I don't remember when it, I think this would have been probably in 2014, because when the Wild had Heatley um, instead of Gucci, um, I think right after that trade. Um, They were in an overtime game against Detroit, and um, a puck went to the corner. Nicholas Cronwall um, is in pursuit with Miko Koivu. And Miko Koivu gives, him, gives Nicholas Cronwall, this guy known for huge hits, he flattens Nicholas Cronwall with this reverse shoulder hit with his back to him, flattens Cronwall. I think he injured him, but like totally clean. It was just a, like a, an exploding backwards hit to the chest that just stunned Cronwall. Koivu takes the puck out of the corner, walks the slot, and hits Setaguja in the back door for the game winner. And to me, like, that goal was just the epitome of everything that was so underrated mm-hmm. about Koivu. The way he did use his size, the way he could box out, you know, even some of the best defensive players in the league. Um, obviously, you've probably seen some of the tweets from myself and from Evolving Hockey about how prime Koivu from basically 2011 to 20, 2018, he was... Probably the second best defensive defensive player, defensive forward in the league, not named Patrice Bergeron. And just because he didn't put up the points, um, was never really given the recognition that he deserved. Probably should have, in my opinion, won anywhere from probably two to five Selkie trophies or at least been in the top three, which he just never was. Um, and there's a lot of arguments against Coyville. He never produced and, you know, he never led this team out of the playoffs, he only did XYZ in the playoffs. He's not the GM, he doesn't pick the players that are. That are put around him. He he, he does what he's dealt. And mm-hmm. Justin, we, we you and I chuckled about the late two thousands when this team was dreadful, and Koivu somehow ended up through all of that being a plus player in Minnesota. Which you think of all the bad seasons where you know he had to be the guy, and um, you know I think it says a lot when you know two former GMs, a GM from your national country, and twenty former teammates, um, <clears throat> plus players, teammates are going to be there for your jersey retirement. I think it just speaks to to just the character that Koivu has and the respect he has, you know, maybe not always the, the biggest talker, the flashiest guy, but you know, a a stern leader, um, and a guy that you want, if you know, a guy that'll get on your ass. I mean, I believe there was, I think when Kevin Fiala kind of won his very first like explosive scoring streak, I think it was after Koivu kind of pulled him aside on the bench, like do get your fucking shit together. And then all of a sudden Kevin Fiala took Mm -hmm. off. Right. So Mm -hmm. he's just that, that, that voice of, of reason that you sometimes needed. And, um, I'm gonna try not to cry on Sunday, but um, I, I can't. I can't guarantee that won't happen as I as I watch nine go thereafter I'm I'm pretty pumped. Pretty pumped.
9: A lot of the things now I do correlates with me and my kids. And uh, the other night, I forgot what game it was. Miko was being interviewed during the intermission or talking to someone, and my son was in the room. I said, "That's Miko Koyu. That's where your name came from." He said, "That's Miko too." <laughs> kind of like that. He's got the same name as me because it's not like a very popular name. So yeah. It was just kind of be able to, cool to be able to point out to him uh, that that's kind of where the uh, name idea came from. And uh, I mean, hopefully someday he gets to meet him. Honestly, I hope uh, I, I get was, to meet him. I still haven't yeah. got to either. Uh, there was a fan HQ autograph event the day before the pandemic canceled everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or it was one day late where it got canceled because of the pandemic. And we just, we had tickets to go and I was going to bring Miko and it never happened. So it so was hopefully someday that does happen again, but just it's cool to be able to point it out to him. Be like, yeah, that's kind of even though there's a Miko down the line in our family, we kind of use that as an excuse, yep, too, a little bit. But it was just cool to be able to point it out to him because Absolutely. not a very popular name, <laughs> at least in the states.
2: If you like what you heard, feel free to head on over to Sound the Foghorn, any podcast platform that you have. We should. Be there, look for the Minnesota Wild Colors and the iconic Foghorn logo. If we're not on your favorite podcast platform, feel free to let us know on Twitter or Instagram at SoundTheFoghorn, all one word. Thanks for listening and enjoy. If you don't already, follow them on social at SoundTheFoghorn
5: and plug that into your favorite podcast platform as well.
4: What do we got next? MNCAA hosted by Nick Maxson. You get your weekly dose of Minnesota's college puck. Here's a look at what you can expect for all six Division One programs.
0: And now, uh, ladies and gentlemen, the main event of the nevermind. Hi, Max. How are you doing? Um, I introduce you that way because there is going to be quite the event this weekend up there at Amsoil. This is, uh,
11: this is some intense hockey that's about to come up. Uh, this is what you live for in the nchc this is what the season builds to you want the excitement and uh umd you know we're we're happy to deliver if the the conference needs to rely on us to produce that kind of entertainment you know i'm 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 happy to be in the middle of it speaking of delivering uh your
0: your computer camera needs to to steady its iso um you know <laughs> you keep going
11: from bat cave to uh oh, to Hollywood I know. It's, stage they're I've, just like that <laughs> i've got the world's worst ring light here it's from from amazon the cheap way out and you know i've got a, is it a, the is it the light that dims uh the light doesn't dim it is the computer camera it, it but the, the fact camera. that okay. it's just not connected it's just completely separate, oh, i see so. okay
0: yeah. so the computer's going what the heck's going on Uh yeah. But, you know, it kind of is almost a, a perfect rendition of the Bulldog season. You're sometimes you're hot, sometimes you're not. Um, I know I'm a St. Cloud fan, so it sucks. <laughs> um, but how about this? Um, these two teams, again, we talked about the last few weeks, they seem to be destined on a collision course. And, uh, well, here we are, right? Um, the last, what, four or five years, these teams have hosted the regular season finale. Um, it's been swapped between both Amsoil and the Brooks National Hockey Center but not in the last four or five years has I don't, I think the games have meant this much to either squad. This is going to be quite the weekend of regular season hockey uh, between these two, these two squads. We we call the dog fight.
11: I know it's more hyperbole, but I don't think this weekend it's hyperbole. Uh, I, I would certainly agree. So UMD got quite a bit of help um, with Western losing and, you know, they, they had it right in front of them. They could have jumped them or at least been tied with them going into this weekend here and had an opportunity to take over that third spot, but, um, they couldn't get it done on Saturday to, to put it lightly there. It was a a bit of a, a frustrating loss, not only for the fans, but for the players as well, hearing from, from some of them and seeing what they're going through, but to, to be only three behind a a Western Michigan team and, and where they were, you know, just two weeks ago, even, um, to, to see that UMD wasn't able to capitalize on the, the opportunity in front of them and now have to fight to keep that, that fourth place spot. It's, it's going to be rough. It is going
0: to be rough. And uh, you, you talked about third place too. So that's what St. Cloud was looking at too, because, you know, there was all this focus on the Bulldogs and, you know, how can we catch them? How can we, maybe get home ice. There is a chance for that. Let's not kid ourselves, but we kind of forgot about Western Michigan and North Dakota kind of did you guys a favor. I mean, if things go your way this weekend, there may be an opportunity. However, I think Western Michigan is hosting Miami this weekend for the season finale. So, but I don't think anybody expected UMD to lose on Saturday. Let's let's be Frank. Uh, so there, there could be some surprises, but uh, I guess what shouldn't be surprised is, or what shouldn't surprise anybody that follows this I think it's okay to call it a rivalry uh, between the Huskies and the Bulldogs that this is going to be some great hockey. It's going to be emotional hockey. And uh, there's a lot on the line between these two squads. Uh, uh, Max, uh, let's take it from the UMD's perspective first, because uh, again, UMD five-point lead going into this weekend. It was expected to sweep both the Huskies and the Bulldogs to get to a five-point spread. Essentially, you needed uh, one overtime point to basically put it out of reach. Now, Friday's game means a lot. Uh, so let's focus on Friday. How important is Friday's game for both lead squads, but more and specifically for UMD, especially after Saturday's performance where you controlled the entire game, but just couldn't get one to fall.
11: Yeah. Um, the, uh, I'm going to go in reverse order here. Thinking back to, to Saturday's game and just the weekend in general, you had 96 shots from the Bulldogs over a weekend. And if, if you hear that, you're ecstatic as a Bulldogs fan, because that's not something you see from them every night. You're like, finally, we're getting some offensive chances and everything. And then you look at the scoring column and this 96 shots produced just three goals. And all three of those were on that, that Friday game, a three, one victory get, get blanked on, on Saturday losing for nothing, even after a, a 46 shot performance or 44 shot performance there is, is frustrating. I, I mentioned it before. It's, it's weighing heavy on quite a few guys and, to just run into a goaltender that's that hot or, you know, what, what have you, I'm, I'm not exactly sure what happened. Um, you know, even watching it, it seemed like a lot of those shots were things that normally go in the back of the net and you kind of alluded to it. It was just the, the frustration that was building on the ice. You can kind of see it. It was a little bit palpable that, you know, they were, they were breaking down in some of the other areas and they had some other fast breaks in terms of Miami's play and how they ended up scoring a couple of their goals as well. And that kind of didn't really add anything to, to what UMD wanted to do. So they kind of have to take that mentality and throw it out the window because you can't play like that against a team like St. Cloud. We've we've seen it in the last series against the Huskies where, you know, you're not going to get all of those chances against a, a more defensive team, a different style of play than than what they faced last weekend. And it's, it's – I don't want to say confusing, but um, – it's going to have to be a more cohesive game overall. I don't think that UMD has had, they've probably had a full game, but it's been rare. And they certainly haven't had a a full weekend of, of exactly how they wanted to play. So I would take a full game from them um, in the upcoming series here. And if we can get a full weekend, it would be even better.
0: Speaking of full, um, how about this? Uh, the, 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 the the Bulldogs haven't had really a full roster at all this year, and they're going to actually might for the first time this weekend have a full healthy roster. I mean, that's insane to think about, Max. Um, you know, and you mentioned tough losses, right? I mean, St. cloud, that exact blueprint that happened on Saturday to UMD happened to the Huskies against the Bulldogs earlier in that same week on Tuesday where the Huskies vastly controlled the game Lost that game, um, but it's about how you respond, right? And I think one of the weird things about, you know, a, a situation like this is it can do two things it, it can get you down or, or it can provide a lot of motivation. Uh, Besides the Saturday's result, there's motivation to keep home ice, but there's a fine line, right? There's a fine line between letting emotions, you know, kind of help you dictate play and get you back on the right track or emotions can be sort of a, a further dividing force. So uh, how important is it, is it for the Bulldogs to keep those emotions in check this weekend? Because it again, it could further sink you down the rabbit hole. If you let the emotions do all the
11: talking. Yeah. Emotions in check is, is one of the major keys that they are going to have to have in, in their back pocket coming into this game. Um, we saw it in the the previous two games with St. Cloud in St. Cloud, granted they weren't in the same weekend. So the flow is a little bit different, but umd got out to an early lead in both of those games and they were trying to hang on to it so if they fall behind early it's going to be something that's completely foreign to them um against st cloud at least this year granted you know there are a lot of seniors on both teams there are a lot of upperclassmen on both teams in general so they played each other seven times last year they're going to be playing each other a minimum of four times this year and you know what seems very likely another seven times this year if it goes to three games in the, the nchc playoffs in the first round there so they're they're familiar with one another, and they're familiar with that style of play. And you know, you mentioned it a little bit earlier, the rivalry. If it didn't exist before, which I think it did, the last two years, including this one, certainly is is really enforcing that or or building it up to be something that can be um, worked at from from both teams. So I, I don't see that as as being a negative necessarily, but it is something that UMD is going to have to to maintain a, a mindset of going into it as a tough competition, but one that they can win. The previous two games, they they have all of zero minutes of of being behind. Granted, they didn't win the first game, but they led all the way through uh, until the last minute. And then in overtime, obviously nobody scored. So for, for the entire game, they, they were not down for two games in a row. So if they can go in knowing that they can hold a team that is as good as St. Cloud, even with that talented roster, talented goalie, like all of it it it's going to be something that they need to build on and that mentality of you know not getting too hard on yourself or too down if something doesn't go right right away is going to be the biggest thing
0: i do expect this to be a much more greasy series um between these two squads and and, and that's sort of some hockey that We've seen only a couple of times, really, uh, you know, these teams love to play. Uh, I don't know if clean hockey is the word, but they they like to be the skating, skilled offensive team, right? Chances on the rush, chances in the cycle. Uh, you're, they're not like, say, a Western Michigan or an Omaha that can, you know, kind of pound you in the boards, that can be physical, um, kind of like Calgary. Holy cow, just throw an NHL reference. That team, Yeah. Uh, we could go on a tangent on how... Uh, playoff ready that team is because um, they just have a little bit of everything. Uh, these two teams are not really built like that, and that's why I make the reference. So I, I guess for both squads, you're almost wishing that the that the game doesn't evolve into into sort of a grudge match per se, but if it does, Max, do you like UMD's chances in that type of a matchup?
11: Uh, normally, I would say I do because they, they have been pretty good on the penalty kill all year, but... Uh, It struggled as of late and, you know, not necessarily against St. Cloud in the the past couple of games, but uh, I I don't think they're as strong as they have been in in past years. They don't have Hobie Bakers on the defensive line. They don't have anybody that's, you know, capable of being a completely shut down player. And that's not to say that Ryan Fanti's not good because he's second in the NCHC right now, only behind Zach Driscoll, who will. By the way, was stolen from Bemidji, and that's the only reason that I won't say the only reason. Whoops! <laughs> a good help in terms of where North Dakota's is at. They say great goalie, great team in general. It's something that I have to bring up whenever, whenever I can. But um, back to what I was saying that the the Bulldogs are top ten in even strength goals against for for opposing teams, and they're top ten in shots against on a per game basis. So when they're playing five on five hockey. They're, they're a top 10 team in the nation, so I, I don't see that being an issue as long as they can keep it that way and, and play a, a relatively level game. So what does the ultimate question bring
0: us, which is, how does UMD pull this off? Again, mathematically speaking, you have a two-point advantage. If you get a victory in regulation on Friday, that pretty much puts you at home, ice, that seals it, Right. Um, for the Huskies, if they win in regulation or at least throw it to what the NCAA would call it a tie or at least to a shootout, that's, you know, at least splitting points. And then even if they still lose in the shootout, that's a three point advantage. So the math is still in the favor of UMD, but you got to get there. So how does UMD make that happen?
11: Yeah, I think you alluded to it earlier. And then with that question as well, the, the Friday game is the biggest, because if you do win in regulation on Friday, the monkey is off your back for not only the series, but the season as a whole, you would be mathematically above 500, even if you lost out. And then you would just be relayed, you know, relying on the uh, pairwise rankings to maintain the top 16 rate. So I think if if Sandlin can get the guys up for a good game on Friday and play through it, it's going to put everybody in a much more relaxed position and um, in a good spot to, to produce well for the rest of the weekend. But with that being said, there is a lot of pressure right now. And I I don't want to see as a a hockey fan in general, but obviously as a fan of UMD, I don't want to see anybody thinking that this game is the end all be all because there is another Saturday game. And even if you do lose both games, this series, you won't be playing at home, but you still have uh, another way into the tournament, another way to continue your season. That's just to win, not necessarily win out, but at least make it to the championship game of the NCHC. So I don't want the guys to be playing with, with, every shift is the end all be all they need to play a good smart game and play their style. And I, I think that they can do that. And sandalin has got enough experience. This is a, a, an older team for the most part that, that should know that, um, given where they've been and, and, you know, a couple of them having championship, um, seasons uh, on their resume already. So, uh, I just want to see that happen. And I'm, I'm, you know, manifesting it as the kids today would say. <laughs> I, I like that word. Yes. Manifesting. It is, uh, Speaking of
0: manifesting success, right? Uh, I think the first goal in both games um, is going to be pivotal in the series in terms of how it plays out. Uh, Max, I want to know if you agree, one. And number two, if UMD scores first in on Friday, um, we saw this with St. last weekend, how you could still see some of that pressure. You could see some of that nervousness in their game. You score once, they scored twice. They started to relax a little bit. Um That tends to me, when you bring that mentality into this, I think this could be a very low scoring series. And I do think there's going to be a lot on, uh, you know, I guess not a lot of grade A scoring opportunities. uh, What do you expect um, on the ice of how this team, uh, how this series will actually play
11: out? Yeah. The, the first goal is, is going to be pivotal. And it's funny to say that after having, you know, UMD already scored the first goal in the previous two and having completely different results, both of them going to that overtime and, and shootout format ultimately. Um, I, I do think that, you know, not to say that the the first matchup between these two was lucky one way or the other, but they, they did control that game a lot more. And if they can play that style, it, it's going to be a, a lot better. It seemed like they were a lot more relaxed and not necessarily, um, Getting into some of the scrums that didn't didn't need to be going on, and you know some of that just comes with late season play and having it been physical all year long. But um, the, like you said, the first goal is going to be huge. the The only disadvantage, and I shouldn't say the only one, but one of the disadvantages I see for UMD and the NCHC schedule in general is all of the the Minnesota State colleges, I believe, are are on spring break. UMD at least is on spring break, so it's not going to have that that massive student section. You're not going to get a ton of help when. The Saint Cloud goalie Rennick is is he's not going to be getting berated down there or have signs saying anything about his family or sister or whatever. (laughs) You know that's all all in good fun, but you're not going to get that type of home ice advantage. So scheduling a, a tough team or a tough matchup like Saint Cloud this late in the year is is always fun. It's a great way to close out the season. But having it in, a, in an arena that's, that's not going to have the same, you know, vibe or energy that it's used to all year might be a little bit different for the players. And, you know, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing in terms of not getting those super high highs, so you're not going to have any sort of drop off. You just need to be able to get the players up in general for that and, and make sure that they're understanding when they're doing something good. And I don't think that that's too hard for somebody at the, the collegiate level.
0: So what we come to is prediction time. Unbiased, of course, we are here on the MNCAA podcast. But this is, I think, a tough one to predict. Uh, there's a lot of variables. Again, these teams have not really been consistent as of late or throughout the ser- uh, the season, actually, respectively. But Max, on home ice, it, you, you got your backs against the wall to a proverbial degree.
11: Uh, how do you see this, se- uh, this series playing out? Yeah. uh, It's, it's silly to say that, you know, it's, it's been, you know, as close as physically possible and it it has been, but I expect more of the same. You already mentioned it earlier. I expect a little bit lower scoring, two good goaltenders, um, two good defensive teams. Not that there's, they don't have uh, offensive weapons on either side, specifically St. Cloud, but um, just the way that they play one another and the way that they've played one another for the last two years, seems like it's, it's kind of leading itself to this. So, Uh, I'm saying a split at home is I'd like as much as I'd like to say a sweep uh, a split at home and that'll do it. Not that, you know, it's a split is going to have the same outcome on the season as a sweep would maybe not having the momentum, but they're going to run into each other the same same place same time essentially for the the next weekend as well. So if they can get comfortable and, and win one game this weekend, I'll be happy.
0: And I think uh, Bulldogs fans will be too, as uh, that will certainly help uh, them cement their case for the NCAA tournament. Again, selection Sunday coming up in under three, uh, about three weeks now, so it's coming up quick. Uh, Max, again, thanks so much for joining us. We need to head south to uh, another Minnesota State school, the Minnesota, uh, the Mankato Mavericks, the number one team in the country, and to get us caught up, we bring in Marissa Boss.
5: Just like Judd's Buds, you can find all MNCAA episodes on the SodaPod feed with episodes dropping every Friday. Go follow the dedicated college hockey feed on Twitter at MN underscore NCAA. MNCAA was taken by some douchebag with zero followers that won't reply to Isha with our very lucrative USD cash offer. Um, Now Isha, who's the last show that we want to promote here this week?
4: Brave the Wild. Joey has been in the Minnesota Wild podcast game since 2008. Here's a clip from the Chiseled Betcher.
3: With that said though, the Minnesota Wild played three games this past week and got demolished. Uh, Yeah, let's just say that. Uh, Over three.
0: And that
6: includes our power play sucked and our goal scoring sucked.
3: My thoughts exactly. Uh, Like what more can you say? 3-1, 7-3, 5-1. Toronto, Calgary, Calgary. Calgary looks like a team that could win the Stanley Cup uh, tomorrow. Uh, they all scored us 12-4 to four in two games. Yeah, and then Toronto, 3-1. to one. It wasn't total demolition, but we didn't score. You know, our power play sucked, and our goal scoring sucked. And the goaltending sucked, and the defensemen sucked, and the wingers and the forwards, they really, really sucked. And the cooching, okay, maybe not the cooching, but maybe the cooching a little bit. Okay, sorry, I'm just kidding. One way or another, it was, I mean, what more is there to say? It was a bad week. It was a really, really, it was just a bad week. Just, just flush it out, you know. Everything's going to be fine, you know. Everything's fine, just flush it. Out. No, let's, uh, the, <laughs> the Wild are two games ahead of Edmonton, which would be ninth place in the Western Conference.
5: <laughs> are you fucking kidding me?
3: Flush it out, huh? Flush it? Flush it out. Yeah, we might get flushed out if we keep playing like this. So, uh, yeah, let's uh, giddy up here. Let's giddy up. The Toronto game, yeah, I mean, it, I don't know. It was just boring as hell. It was boring as hell at the beginning. Couldn't get anything going. Luckily, you felt confident. At least Kapokakkanen was stopping shots from Toronto and all that. And then uh, after Frederick Goudreau was pretty much the only player who could get anything going this past week. fuck. Uh, <laughs> broke the twine, so to speak, or, you know, crossed the line and scored a goal, lit the lamps, whatever you want to call it, and that wonderful second line, third line, whatever the heck it is, line, finally was able to get things, its second line, was able to get uh, the Wild on the board and the lead, and yeah, it was kind of a familiar thing this week, uh, yeah, the Wild to take the lead, and then uh, that was it, it was like, all right, we, we got this, we're back, we're, we're going to start winning games again, and then that was it. There was no scoring. And then it was like, no, who's on him? Oh, well, who's on him? Score. You know, it was, it was was that was just kind of the feature. That was kind of the feature presentation of this past week. Well, who was on that guy? Oh, well, that sucks. One-timer goal. And it was just over and over again. If it's the Chuck, the Chuck it was time and time again. Somebody put a body on Matthew the Chuck. I mean, was anybody on the Chuck? Was anybody on him? Or were we just rhyming the... You know, are we just adding an F to that word? I don't know, that's what it felt like. Austin Matthews made it look easy. He just, yeah, he made it look easy. And, of course, his second goal. His second goal made me, like... His his second goal made me squirm or made me cringe. Brandon DeHame had the puck, was kind of going up the ice, and it's just, I, I don't know, what what's up with Brandon DeHame? I mean, the guy, his stick handling leaves something to be desired, and his awareness seems to be lacking as well. Like, what is up with the guy? <laughs> he turns the puck over way too easy. He looks like a clumsy basketball player getting getting stripped from behind in a JV game. It's like, what's, what's going on here? That's what it felt like to me. And it's happened more than once. I mean, there's times he had the puck all by himself, Brennan DeHame, and started stumbling. And that was like a couple of weeks back. And it's like, what, what's up with that? I know we're all human, and we're going to have moments like that. But uh, I don't know, Brandon. Let's go. Come on, Brandon. And pretty much the whole fourth line has been non-existent, to say the least, except for Nick Buchstad scoring in that seven-to-three game. Woohoo! At least we got on the board again at some point. Yay! But uh, seven to three. Seven to three is basically all you need to say. The seven. The seven is. This is the problem. Um, just no life. Uh, I can pretty much put all these games into one review and tell you the same thing. This The first one, not as much. I mean, you gave up three goals. It wasn't that bad, this and that. But there was just no life in terms of the scoring side of, of things. We're averaging less than three goals a game. Okay, well, I mean, it happens. It sucks that it, it does happen. Um, and this is over a six-game stretch, going back to the Florida game. Florida, or actually, yeah. Yeah, going back to the Florida game, it's a six-game stretch where the Wild have gotten their butts handed to us. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, we have not been scoring. Of course, there was the Edmonton game. Okay, so you exclude that one with the seven. But yeah, if you talk about all the losses, basically, Florida excluding just the Edmonton game, which was actually kind of a sloppy game as well. And Connor McDavid and all them were playing like, eh, because they had played the game before. And they're they're not a team I want to compare the Wild to right now. If you want to be a good team, you want to be teams like Calgary once in a while. At least split with them. Pray to God you can get a split, or maybe even a point out of it, like a, a OT or shootout loss, something like that, something lame like that. <laughs> but to get you know demolished, absolutely demolished, 12 to 4 in just two games, it leaves you thinking like, mm, I, I was afraid Calgary was going to put a kind of you know what on the on the wild kind of what ass on the wild, but, boy, yeah, uh, they did, and it was. Painful to watch. Painful. Um, I know they've been killing everybody. Like the like like <laughs> like Vegas. They've even beaten Colorado. That's why I, I keep thinking if Calgary can. <laughs> I, I don't know if they can sustain this level of play necessarily. But I mean, even Colorado is obviously way ahead. They're 14 games ahead of second place St. Louis. They're 19 points ahead of the Minnesota Wild. That I said games points points ahead of the Wild. 19 points ahead of the Wild. So good night Central Division Championship. That ain't happening. Um, I don't know, this this week just felt like, uh, who's on this guy? It would be like, it felt like uh, we're overcompensating def- defensively. We're overcompensating. The, the defensemen are overcompensating on one guy, whoever it is. The puck goes over to the right. Both defensemen are on the right, and then somebody like a Tachuk or whoever is open on the left. And it's like, good Lord, or, or vice versa. And they have like a one-timer. It's like, oh, well, there's the, there's the saucer pass over to Tachuk or whoever the heck and goal calgary and that was kind of the theme especially in those two games the toronto game kind of again it was it was just like a lame night it was just a it was just a game where we lost it didn't play well not much energy get your questions in
5: every week by following at brave the wild and listen by searching brave the wild minnesota wild podcast
4: all right, thanks to everybody tuning in on Google, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. I mean, wherever you get your podcast from, the best thing you can do for us or any of the content that you heard in this podcast episode, uh, you can go on iTunes and Apple Podcasts, give us and give them five stars and a kind review. It goes such a long way. You're already supporting us by listening to this episode, so you might as well go and review us as well. If you're jonesing for more hockey content, go listen through our website, thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. And on your app, please download the episode before you listen, as it just helps all of our business. You can follow myself at VI Sports Talk. You can follow Hoppy at State of Hoppy. And, of course, you can find The Soda Pod on all platforms at The Soda Pod. Signing off, I'm Isha Drill, alongside The State of Hoppy. This has been The Soda Pod, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. We good, buddy? We good. Don't fear. Just drink some beer and stay wild.